For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Jason Jones, who covers the Sacramento Kings for The Athletic, about the Kings' pending second-half schedule and just how much confidence the front office has in head coach Luke Walton. The Kings came into this season, some people thought maybe with playoff aspirations, and while De'Aaron Fox has rocketed himself because of his play into NBA superstardom, the Kings at just 14-22 and 22 currently sit at 13th place in the Western Conference playoff picture, and while they've had flashes of brilliance this year, mostly an inconsistent Kings team has led to this poor start, at one point losing nine straight before the final four games of the first half. All things we can talk about with Jason Jones, who joins me next. It's Wednesday, March 10th. It's always a pleasure. We can welcome Jason Jones to the podcast talking Kings basketball. And Jason, I think when we had you on before, right before the start of the season, we were sort of joking about how the Kings expectations may have been to make the playoffs this year. You and I were not so sure. Here they are, 14-22, and midway through the year, 13th place in the West, man. How would you label this team through the first half of the season? Inconsistent? Inconsistent and just not enough depth. They're pretty much a team. If you look at their roster, I've, I talked to people around the league and I threw out there like, is this a bottom five roster in terms of depth, you know, one through 15? They're like, yeah, you get past their top six or seven guys. You're just really struggling from there to get guys who are legit rotation guys. That's a tough way to win because without that depth, they have one injury. One guy misses a game. It throws them all off. They lost Tyrese Halliburton for a few games and man, you could really see the difference. And he's a rookie. So that just kind of speaks to, number one, how good he is and how much of a leader he, he's become so quickly. But also, man, you mean to tell me that you lose one guy and it throws it all off? But for them, yeah, they really can't afford to lose one guy. And during their nine-game losing streak, every starter missed at least one game. So <laughs> you just can see the difference. It's funny because Luke Walton keeps sort of hammering the same two theories or or ways to build a a foundation for a team, and it's composure and confidence. And I know he sort of hammered that for what they need to do in the second half. And De'Aaron Fox a couple weeks ago said, look, man, it's all about what happens on the court for us, right? It's not just about the coaching and their philosophy. It's about making sure we can handle things as players on the court. Do you think composure and confidence is a major issue for these guys? And is that something they can teach, or is this just comes with the territory of having a bunch of young guys on the roster? Oh, I think those are two very big things because you see some of the mistakes they make. Those are things that no coach would tell you to do. No coach would ever tell you to jump and throw a pass backwards the other way. (laughs) Those are just guys panicking. You know, I mean, some of the things they do late in games, you go, you know, what was that? You know, that game they lost a couple weeks ago against Charlotte. You're up eight with the ball and two free throws and possession coming with a minute nine to go when you proceed to do every possible thing wrong to lose that game. And I just think a lot of that is just composure, confidence. But I also wonder sometimes, is that just an eight? Can you really put that in someone? You know, like Tyrese Halliburton, he came into the league with that. He's played, what, 20-something games. He's got that already. I don't think you can teach aspects of that. And I just think as a collection, you can have one or two guys like that maybe. But when you've got a bunch of guys going up and down with that, you get what you get with the Kings. you got an up-and-down team. 
And you stated that in an article you wrote last week about their inconsistency, starting three and one, then losing nine of 11, then winning seven of eight, then losing nine in a row. And it's tough to pinpoint one thing. It's tough to put it on the coaching staff that they're missing free throws and shooting at a 60% clip to this point in the season. But I wonder, and you outlined this as far as what are the key components to wanting to ride with Luke Walton? Because for right now, it kind of looks like he's safe. I mean, I would think a nine game losing streak puts any head coach in any position on the hot seat, unless you've got multiple championships under your belt. So what is it that the Kings are hanging their hat on here with this vision for Luke Walton? One of them is he still has the support of his key players. You know, De'Aaron Fox is still rolling with Luke Walton. You know, the guy you just gave a max contract to says that he's not the problem. So that's a big part of it. You know, and I think you look at, if you're talking about the future, De'Aaron has gotten much better over the last year and a half with Luke Walton. De'Aaron has taken his game to another level with his staff. Is it like all-star level yet? No. But, I mean, De'Aaron's 23. You don't worry about that. You just want to see, are you seeing the steady growth? There's still areas for De'Aaron to work on, namely his free throws and some of the decision-making late. But I think he's on the right path. Tyrese Halliburton is with him. You know, those guys are all still with him. That's a big part of it. big part of it is the money. You know, this franchise has a history of firing guys and paying two or three coaches at the same time. If I remember correctly, someone once told me at one point they were paying like Keith Smart, Michael Malone, <laughs> and Tyrone Corbin while George Carl was the coach. You know, the teams you know, lost about $100 million during the pandemic. And I know somebody said, well, if you've already lost $100 million, what's another $11.5 million you owe to Luke Walton? And I always say, that's easy for you to say. That's not your money. <laughs> That's still $11.5 million you're paying a guy not to coach. And I think if Luke Walton was the difference between them, say, being a playoff team and not, I'd understand, okay, let's get rid of the coach. But realistically, who's going to come in and take this team to the playoffs? Nobody. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. This is the team they have. And until you get better players and the players they have improve, you're probably going to struggle. So I think you see if Luke can grow with these guys, you know, a little bit longer. Because people forget with the Lakers, the teams he had, they got better every year. I know everyone will say now that well, look, Julius Randle became an all-star at what Adam and Brandon Ingram did. That was also two and three years apart. You know, I don't think you can say that those guys didn't get better with him as a coach. You know, young guys just don't win in this league unless you get a freak of nature like a Kevin Durant. Young guys don't win. Well, we're also talking about, you know, 18, 19-year-olds that get into the league after one year in college and haven't developed yet. You know, Brandon Ingram was, was such a rail and, and did not have a, a polished game in his first couple of years. And you're right, these guys evolve. And I think, to your point, De'Aaron Fox has certainly gotten better each year under Luke Walton. I also kind of look at the, the front office decision-making over the last couple of off-seasons, like not going out to spend money at the wing spot to add some of that depth off the bench. You identified, you know, Kent Bazemore as somebody who maybe they could have gone out and, and handed a contract to. We also look at the draft and we go, yeah, they said Deer and Fox couldn't play alongside a guy like Luka Doncic, and here he is playing alongside another guard in Tyrese Halliburton. So do you think Monty McNair and the front office are looking at themselves at that too, saying we can't put all of this onus on Luke Walton when we opted as a franchise to not go out and, to your point, make these moves that maybe wouldn't have made you a playoff team this year but at least put you in position to compete in a bunched-up Western Conference? Yeah, exactly. That's part of the, the reasoning why they haven't just jumped ship on Luke. You replaced Bazemore, who really, when Bazemore arrived last year, he really pushed them to another level just with his knowledge, his defense, and you know he brought a level of accountability and veteran leadership they needed in the right way. You let him go, you replace him essentially with Glenn Robinson, who isn't in the rotation most of the year, and you end up waving. And your, your other addition is Hassan Whiteside, who's who can be inconsistent. He's been in and out, and now he's, he, was, he was out the last week due to no health and safety. You really brought back a worse roster. I mean, 
yeah, you got Tyrese Halliburton in there, but you also lost Bogdanovich. So essentially you swapped Bogdanovich for, for Tyrese and didn't do much of anything else. And in the West where you look at around, you say, okay, the Lakers got better. The Clippers tried to fortify. Phoenix got better. The Warriors have Steph back. You know, Dame is still in Portland. Utah is better. People wrote off San Antonio. San Antonio, you know, San Antonio has better players than the Kings. And they got some guy named Popovich down there, too. So you know they weren't just going to lay down this season. You just look around. You look at the landscape of the West. Who were the Kings really just clearly better than? You know, even Minnesota has, you know, two former All-Stars. It was going to be a struggle, and I know I, think I, I detailed at some point right before the season, I said even in the division, this is before Clay got hurt, every team in the division had at least two All-Stars or former All-Stars except the Kings, who had zero. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. It's funny, you talk about this, we say it's a superstar league, and De'Aaron Fox is on his way, but you're right, you look around and you've got to have like two to three guys to compete, even Steph Curry by himself having a tough time, right? I know Draymond's there, and you can call him a superstar, depends on who you talk to, I guess, but offensively, obviously he's not, but you're right, having multiple guys who can carry a roster, and and when you don't have the depth on the bench like the Kings lack, it's a big problem. So here's the question, now, back end of the season, I think Lucas, to your point, really has to take a nosedive for them to decide he's not the guy to wrap up this year because of the financial situation and even some of the basketball stance there I'm wondering who gets moved is Corey Joseph a guy who gets traded is it does Harrison Barnes get moved is Buddy Heald still an an issue right now I know he's endorsed Luke Walton what's the situation as far as trade deadline moves for the Kings this year well a couple of guys I think of people I've talked to Corey and Bielitsa the two guys who you would expect to get moved I do believe a guy like Corey who's been up and down this season would be better on a good team because you're not asking Corey now to play 20 minutes some nights. You know, say you put him on, I don't know, a team like Philly, where they've got a good defensive structure around him, and you just need Corey to go in for 10 minutes, go at Kyrie for a few minutes defensively, and you get him out. I think Corey's still a solid NBA player just in this role. You're asking him to be way more than he should be at this point of his career. You know, same thing with Bielitsa. You know, he, I understand his frustration. You know, he had a career year last season, and his reward for that was being told, hey, Marvin Bagley's healthy, so you're not starting. <laughs> and I understand his frustration, but I also understand the Kings' point of view. They got to see what Marvin is. Even though Bielitsa might help you immediately, you still got to figure out what Marvin is. So I, you know, I could see him, an expiring deal, getting moved. Corey has a $2.4 million buyout in his, um, the last year of his deal with the Kings. So if you trade him, the team is picking him up, as Lisa can say, we'll take him on. And then just pay the buyout at the end of the year. He can become a free agent. So, I mean, there's moves to be made. I know that there's been a lot of talk about Bagley and what's going on with him. From what I gather from people, you know, have there been talks and looking around about doing something with him? Yeah. But what the Kings have basically gotten back is a bunch of teams hoping that they just have given up on Marvin and offering basically next to nothing to get him. And there's no way they should just you know, move on from Marvin for like a couple of second round picks or something crazy just because, you know, maybe. His dad might have tweeted something or you really don't have enough info on Marvin at this point. So I'd be shocked if Marvin got moved. And the same with Buddy. I think the the hold up with Buddy is still the contract that depends on where you go. You know, do you value Buddy Heald as a as a starter? Do you value him as a six man? And I think that dictates who makes a move for him. And I think Buddy, when Buddy's on, you know, I think outside of Steph, there aren't many guys who you say, I don't want shooting the ball more than Buddy from three. But it's just a matter of him being on, being consistent. He hasn't been consistent this year. 
Jason, I appreciate the time, man. It's always fun talking basketball with you, dude, uh, diving into the Kings. It's funny. Usually, like, when I get some of the writers on, either talking NBA or NFL, I say, yeah, we'll try to catch up with you at the end of the year when we get close to playoff time. But with you, I should probably say, like, hey, man, we'll catch up uh, sometime around draft lottery time talking <laughs> talking more Kings basketball. Yeah, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, you know. If the yeah. Kings are in the top three, Monty McNair will say they have had a successful season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, Jason, we'll catch up with you later, dude. Thanks a lot. All right. No problem, anytime. Fun talking with Jason Jones. We don't get a lot of Kings talk, so nice to get a little hit on that partway through the 2020-2021 NBA campaign. Again, Kings in the 13th spot in the Western Conference right now, and they may be headed for another lottery pick. But if so, hey, if they make some trades here at the deadline, if they do move on from Buddy Hill, or they do move on from Marvin Bagley, it might be nice to pair another lottery pick with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Thanks to Jason. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us today. We'll try to dive into some more baseball coming up this week as the Giants are getting a little bit better idea of who's going to be on that opening day roster. Starting to see more of the starters go. Johnny Cueto with a great outing last week. And we can talk more about some of those young bullpen arms the Giants plan to bring up later this season. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday. 